Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not letting the gut here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, come and join us in the chat. It is Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, where we are going to keep it rolling with our Bonanza, what to watch, the big storylines, and of course, our very best bets, our bowl pool plays for you uh, as you get set. Now, today we're going to be looking at Thursday's bowl games. Love that we've got our Knowles in the house for the cheese at bowl. And also Friday's bowl games, uh, five of them coming up on Friday. Tomorrow, Thursday, we will do our college football playoff breakdown and our bowl Nanza picks for the college football playoff, the rest of the New Year's Six, and the rest of the bowl games. It's that Thursday, 11 a.m. lock time. So uh, great to look ahead to Saturday's games. Also, before we get out of here, uh, we are going to spend some time looking at Hudson Card to Purdue, Sam Hartman leaving Wake Forest, likely going to Notre Dame, uh, much more the sort of pieces and inner workings of the quarterback position in the transfer portal. But Danny, how many? are you excited that it's finally like Danny, Danny Bowl season here? Yeah, because I actually think with eight wins that are yeah. coming up on the schedule. Okay. This would be the most appropriate time to actually start playing bowl games <laughs> that matter. So I cannot wait to actually start getting invested in some of these games, being thoroughly entertained, knowing who's going to actually play. I cannot wait for it. By the way, quick cover three love for our listeners story. Christmas Eve service going to my family's church, my parents church. So we're there. We get like Right on time, five o'clock Christmas Eve service. I'm telling you, it is packed, like not a seat in the house. We're standing in the back of the church, pretty big church. And we're like, we're just going to have to kind of stand. Like standing room only oh, yeah. is what the ushers were telling us. So we're, and I'm like, oh, great. I got three kids. Like they're going to be all over the place. They're not going to pay attention. There's not going to be any memories made. Guy comes out from the middle row and he's like, hey, you guys need seats? I was like, yeah, let's go. Walks us up. He was sitting right in front, and there was a row behind him. And I guess somebody didn't show up, so he's like, here, you guys go. Tenth row, middle of the church, great seats, like, bam, right in the middle of everything. So after, 
I go up to him. I said, hey, man, I said, really appreciate it. You guys saved us. We're going to be sitting in the back. And he goes, huge cover three listener. I never miss a show. So you see that? You see what our listeners do? They deliver every single time. Love to hear it. Hey, listen, I but maybe a bad take here. I didn't mind the the standing uh, in the back whenever I got stuck there. Little, Kids can you, run around. Well, my my kids going to stand anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little fidgety as it is. You know, I don't want to be messing anybody else's space. If it's a choice between being crammed in there, 11 people in a 10 person pew, or, you know, having a little space to walk around, but I'm with you on the fam. It's uh, it's awesome that a cover three listener was able to step up and deliver for you at the Christmas Eve service. Uh, always, always a, a high attendance numbers. There. So do you guys realize my theory of you should have eight wins required to play in a bowl game. Do you guys know how many eight-win teams there are in college football? Oh, you've done the research. No, I, I, I know that you're trying to put every single one of them in the playoff. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Not true. Unless we start a group of five. There are 50, 50 teams with eight wins. That would be 25 bowl games, which would be perfect. And I'll, the biggest pushback I get from a lot of people is, well, people are watching. They rate off the charts, which is true. You know what else rates off the charts? The Kardashians. Is that something we want to encourage happening? Like, just because it's on doesn't mean, and it rates well, doesn't mean it's a good thing for society. If we... Wait, if wait, we wait, wait, wait. You're if saying we, the Camellia Bowl is bad for society? I am. I am. <laughs> it goes back to the everybody gets a trophy philosophy. Did, if we reward mediocrity, we get mediocrity in return. Did you this write is the that Santa, column this in the San Francisco Chronicle? Chronicle? Yeah. Was that, <laughs> oh, was that... A, I didn't know. Is that a story that's no, out there? No, there was, there was somebody who wrote like a column about the, the Rose Bowl giving in to the playoff is is another sign of the downfall of humanity. Wow. And <laughs> tremendous, they gave like in to the NFL. Yeah, Has anybody I, ever noticed they give into the NFL? Like that's not a problem, but if they give into the, the college football playoff and move off January 1st, it's a, it's an issue. The man interviewed a doomsday theorist mm-hmm. for a reference on why this is contributing to the collapse of society. Really you interview me on the bullet. <laughs> a good quote. <laughs> I watched the camellia bullet saw the end times. So I will agree with you because I think that the Bulls are an exhibition or like if you want to call yourself a little Don King, the Bulls are a fight that you need to promote. And that's why, like, if you're a six and six or a seven, five team, but people are going to be interested in you, then, yeah, I want to invite you to this showdown. I want to invite you because you're going to increase the hype for it. Now, if you want to make the argument that no amount of Don King energy is going to get you up for Georgia Southern and Buffalo, I understand it. But I'm not with the eight win cutoff. I, I need I need to know that some of these six and six, seven and five teams that are going to bring a big draw. I need to know that Oklahoma's still in the mix to be able to come play spoiler to the hype machine. That's all this is. Danny's scared of Oklahoma. Danny's scared that the Sooners at six and six are going to beat Florida State. Now he's like, we got to get these six and six teams out of the bowls. Got to hurt my knolls. All right. Well, as it stands, there are enough exhibitions that have been created and enough parties that need to be thrown that even five and seven rice got an invitation. So, you know, we're, we could raise the standards potentially, but uh, not at this point. I will say, I think like most of the pushback about the bulls comes from us like media, because we have to cover these games. <laughs> We have it's to like, pick if them. you're a fan, I don't I don't understand why a fan would care because if you don't want to watch it, you just don't watch it. If you do want to watch it, you do watch it. But for us, where it's like 
all right, here's Rice and Southern Miss in the whatever bowl. Let's let's go. Like I'll watch it. I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. That was a good bowl. It was Frank Gore Jr. You know, Auntie, not now, but like. <laughs> I'm a freak. I will watch all these games. I enjoy them, but I understand why like other people in the industry are like, oh, there's too many of these damn things. Shout out to Steve in the chat who said, honestly surprised that there's no Kardashian bowl now that I think about it. Listen, he's got a pretty good point. Jimmy Kimmel did say he's he's about ready to sell his game. He says he thinks it's stupid. He's getting out of it soon, so maybe the Kardashians can take over the LA bowl. Opportunity right there. I like uh, Roger Sherman from The Ringer. He said, uh, you know, like the peak bowl experience is putting on a game with two random teams you know nothing about, and three hours later, you're like, I would lay my life on the line for the New Mexico State quarterback. That man is trying so hard, and you just get so invested, and you don't even know their names. You're just the New Mexico State quarterback. But I I think that that's probably the way most fans experience it, is they just they want to turn on some competition, and if it's good, then it gets them. If it's a stinker, which we have had some stinkers, I will well, we admit. quite a few this year. And quite a few stinkers, but we turn the bonanza ahead. We'll begin with Thursday's games. Uh, it starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. It is the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl in Yankee stadium, Minnesota. This thing is danced all the way out to 10 points. Gophers 10 point favorites against the orange 42 is your over under, uh, what, what's got your attention or, or what's our pool player best bet here in uh, the pinstripe bowl. It's got to be the under. You think so? I mean, first of all, I think this is the last kind of cold weather game. Like, I think most from this point on, we're moving to warm weather climates or indoors. I think this will be the last one where we're going to see players freezing on the sidelines. But I just, like, if you look at the matchup, Sean Tucker is not playing for Syracuse. So there goes most of their offense. Minnesota is a team that runs the ball all the time to begin with. Like it's a service academy with as often as it is running the ball and in the situations that it is running the ball. Mo Ibrahim, I think, is like 57 yards shy of becoming the program's all-time leading rusher. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mo stays in long enough to get that record and then he leaves the game. Mm. So I I just I see a whole lot of running from Minnesota. I see a Minnesota defense that's not going to have too much trouble slowing down Syracuse considering they don't have Sean Tucker. So the cold, the style of play, I just feel like this is going to be kind of an ugly low-scoring game. So I think I'm on the under. If I'm taking the spread, I'd probably lean Minnesota, but I'm not really super high on it because I think, what's it, at 10 now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, That's there's no value there. I, I think you should lay it, honestly. Mm. Um, but like Syracuse second half of the year looked looked to me like I thought I thought they would look for most of the year, and they have some really important opt outs. So Garrett Williams was an injury; he missed the second half of the season, and that really impacted. Them. That's their I mean, maybe the top corner in the ACC, right? Chestnut is their other really good corner. He's in the portal. Jihad Carter, one of their safeties, is in the portal. They're really thin on the offensive line. Matthew Bergeron is an opt out for him. You have another receiver opt out, I, I believe. Courtney Jackson. Is in the transfer portal. I, I just think the Syracuse is a dead team walking, and Pete, the sample size on this stuff is just so small that I hate like drawing big conclusions on this kind of stuff. But PJ Flex teams in bowls do seem to play hard, so I yes, I would lay it, and they're well prepared. He tapes bowl practices. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no, no. It's just a theory. 
You know, it's just, you know, I, they just always seem so well prepared. It's a joke that I make. From Are we talking like the Bama LSU didn't cross the 50 yard line? They had their, their stuff uh, type bowl prep. You mean, <laughs> I mean, just like the, like the new England Patriots would give their total approval. I, I mean, just like I'm, it is a joke that I make here. It is totally a joke that I make that PJ Fleck tapes bowl practices. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> They're always so well prepared. But you're right. The numbers show. PJ Flex teams seem to be well prepared for the bowl. Syracuse seven and two all time playing at Yankee Stadium. Going oh. back to 1923. So hey, that is the trend. Wait, is that the old Yankee Stadium though? Three and in the pinstripe bowl, I believe, mm-hmm. too. Two and yeah. this will be the two third appearance. This they will have, be the third. They they are the winningest team in pinstripe bowl history. I know that because I had to write the preview post for this one. So Haven't the dogs fared pretty well this bowl season? That's it. The number seems big. I, this is one I would almost live bet, like see what happens in that first quarter, see what type of fight Syracuse is putting up and kind of play it from there. Last night was an incredible live betting night, by the way, I will say. Like you, you hate, you, know, you, you wish the kid well, but like w- w- when you see him a call laying on his head, laying on his head in the like, end zone, you have to fire immediately East on East Carolina. <laughs> and if look, if he doesn't leave the game, he doesn't leave the game. But like in today's concussion, you know, concussion conscious. Uh, unless you're the Dolphins, I guess, and you let the guy keep playing. But, like, <laughs> you know, it, in, in in today's era, like, if you see a quarterback who's, like, the best player on the field go down at all, you need to be live firing. And then, like, if he ends up staying in the game, play off it, take your small loss. But, I mean, that number after that score was, like, ECU 1, ECU 2. Yeah, ECU 2.5 as and, they were down. I mean, that's bananas. By halftime, you were having to lay 16 and a half, 17. So I guess sounds like you got in on that. Oh, and then like Oklahoma, yeah, I did. Last night, Oklahoma State, their success rate is like four percent at the time that they take the lead. They have literally like one yard per play, and they have a a yakety sacks tackling effort. Touchdown! Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I I looked at their box score. I'm like, wait a second. So we have an 84 yard yak play, a 20 yard yak play, and 114 total yards. So basically, all of Oklahoma State's yards right now are yak, and their other twenty plays have gone for like zero. I'm like, okay, this is maybe not sustainable. I guess we could call it. And then that was, yeah. yeah. Hey, Oklahoma State spend... still could have kicked in that back door. They didn't kick a field goal at the end and punched it in for a touchdown. Oh, I went to yeah, bed. I, 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 uh, I, I. Well, they I almost sp- backdoored it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They had that crazy kind of underhand touchdown there at the end. But I, I don't want to talk too much about last night. But like, sorry. After watching Wisconsin, first of all, it's kind of weird Luke Fickle not coaching, but in a headset on the sideline and then doing the halftime interview. It's like you, I, I understand where his thought process was probably. I just want to get an idea of the players on a game day and be there. So I get, you know, because these are my new players. I want to understand what they're doing, how they are. I get that. But it was just still as weird visually. But my other thing, too, is watching Chase Wolf last night, like he wasn't spectacular, but he was pretty good aside from a terrible interception in the first half. And I'm sitting there watching this like, why wasn't this kid playing all season? Why were they giving Graham Mertz his 80th chance? Like, why didn't they make the move? It might have been also like a boost that Chase Wolf got with the extra 15 bowl practices and, you know, being able to reset a little bit. You could have gotten those boosts during the middle of the season when you just <laughs> tagged out Graham Mertz. Like when, especially after Paul Chris gets fired, why were you still running Mertz out there? Like it was clearly not work. I don't know. Maybe Jim Leonard's the head coach if he starts Chase Wolf. That's all I'm saying. I think that that was so bizarre that Luke Fickle had the headset on because we see the coach on the sideline all the time, right? Mm-hmm. He's standing over near the cheerleaders. He's mm-hmm. not standing at midfield wearing the daggum headset. 
Don't you think it makes sense, though? Don't you think this is what, like, I think this could be a trend that Fickle starts where he's, because I think most coaches are like, I don't want to step on any toes of these guys going out. I don't know if they're going to be on the staff. And Fickle's like, screw that. I want to, I'm going to start coaching. This is my job. They're paying me. I want to start getting a look. And I do think there's value, even if you're not calling the plays, to get on the field and start mm-hmm. evaluating your talent on game day. Like, how did, because, uh, you know, especially with quarterbacks, when you're evaluating, evaluating quarterbacks, if I see a guy on the, like you can see in their eyes, you see deer in the headlights, if you see confusion, they're struggling to call plays. You you see these issues all the time. But if you're in the game and you see them and you can look in their eyes with any position, I think that's valuable information that Luke Fickle was gathering. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a trend that you kind of see where I know traditionally, you know, it's been, let's just step aside. Let's do the interview up in the TV booth and sell the program. I wouldn't be surprised more coaches get more hands-on. I agree with you. It's definitely a reflection of the trend, especially when roster management is now a 12-month process. When you're trying to figure out what you need and the transfer portal is still open until January 18th and you've got to turn ahead to the recruiting class, that this is, yep, I would not be surprised if we see it more. All right, turning our attention to Orlando, where hottest daggum team in the country, the number 13 Florida State Seminoles, flying high, putting up, 38 points or more in all five wins after they came back from their off week, paced in teams, winning by an average of about 28 points per game. And the hype for 2023 is through the roof. Jordan Travis back, Trey Benson back, uh, Tatum Bethune back. We got uh, some transfer portal wins on the offensive line, defensive line, and at tight end already. Seminoles are nine and a half point favorites uh, against an Oklahoma team that went three and six in conference play. Yikes. So, do we trust Florida State to handle expectations? Something that Florida State has not been asked to do since when? 2016? <laughs> like, when's the last time that you had expectation, capital E expectations for Florida State football? Because it has been at least an entire four to five year cycle. And so, here we go. You're in Orlando. Going to be a lot of yeah. Knowles in the house. So, I got to ask the Knowles on the show, how are we feeling heading into this game? I would push back and say... They were a favorite against Miami. The expectation was to beat Miami. They beat them 45-3. to three. Yeah, I would say they, the expectation was to beat Florida. That game got a little bit dicey, right? Halftime, you're thinking, oh, no, they responded pretty well there. It's where I feel pretty good. Now, I liked it a lot better when it was 7.5. I mean, there's some books that's open at 10. I'm like, I don't love that number. I feel pretty confident they'll win the game. I do think their mindset, the culture – all the players are saying the right things about wanting to be there, buying in, and you know, even coming back for some players next season. So I think there's there. The only thing that scares me is Oklahoma's got nothing to lose. Florida State has all the momentum to lose, all that good equity they've built up this season. That aspect makes me a little bit nervous. I think Oklahoma could be scary in that aspect. But I think Florida State is clearly the better team. If they, if they play like they're capable of, they should win, and I think they should cover. Florida State's pretty good defensive front, right? We'd say that. Like, mm-hmm. very, very good. So, not great if Oklahoma's missing its two starting tackles. Left tackle, opt out for the game. Right tackle, opt out for the game. Your all-conference running back, Eric Gray, opt out for the game. I think we're still going to have Dylan Gabriel, but... Uh, you know who else opted out? Who? Or at least isn't playing. I believe their center, Andrew Rame's not playing either. So, mm. and those guys played a lot of snaps. Like to me, that's really the key. It's not like, yeah, they rotate a lot of tackles. Wanya Morris played 560. Anton Harrison played 709. Andrew Rain played 701. That's basically like every single snap, not in garbage time for the year for those guys. Like Jared versus playing. 
Yeah, Damian Lovett is playing. You know, so the, none of these Knowles have ever won a bowl game. Most of them have never played in a bowl game. It was definitely a goal to make it back to a bowl game this year and to do so comfortably before the Florida game. And I, I think that's a major motivating factor here uh, for FSU. I Look, you guys know I don't really trust FSU's defense all that much, but I do think they'll be able to get pressure without blitzing in this one. And that'll be key because I don't think they're all that well coached on the back end. I was on – oh, by the way, I did meet up uh, virtually with Teddy Lehman, who uh, – those, those guys oh, who yeah. us out for saying that Oklahoma was going to be like Maryland. We, we we hashed it out a little bit, and they actually don't disagree that Oklahoma will take more losses joining a tougher league. But I, I was like, I, I didn't really mean you guys will turn into Maryland, although that would be hilarious if you did. And Maryland, by the way, won more games than Oklahoma did this year. Just point the I, way they received that information, though, you would have thought you said they were going to be Vanderbilt. No offense, Barton. Like you, like you would have said they were going to be one of the worst programs in college football. The way they received that message, which I think you were more than rational in your in your theory. Th- those are good dudes. Uh, might yeah. see them tonight at the Jake Owen concert if if, if they're in town. Uh, so that that'll be pretty cool. I I went uh, I went forty two twenty three Knowles here. Um, I just. Like if I'm if I'm setting something up, I'm confident FSU can score 40, right? They've been just scoring a ton of points on everybody. Uh, I don't think that Oklahoma will consistently block the Knowles enough. FSU is a bad zone coverage team, but so they play predominantly man coverage. Oklahoma's numbers this year against man coverage are poor, so it does set up for you to be able to play a lot of two man, rush for, get some pressure, win in the red zone type thing, and I. I think FSU can get to 40. I don't think Oklahoma's going to get to 30. Lamb. Yeah. Yeah, I've got bad news, though. Like, I had to do a six-pack for this week. And I had to do a lock of the week. And the lock of the week all season long in the six-pack has been awful. Like, with if you, take away oh, the lock no. of, if you take away the lock of the week, the column has been quite profitable on the season. But if you include the lock of the week, it's it's been waiting, just struggling to keep its head above water. And uh, Florida State's the lock of the week this week. Now, I got it at nine and a half. I don't know. It'll probably be, I'm guessing it'll be at 10 or bigger by the time kickoff happens. In real life, I got it when it opened at seven. Yeah. But yeah, I just, with all the opt outs Oklahoma has, with everybody that Florida State actually has playing, I just, I don't see, like, unless something goes terribly wrong and they commit multiple turnovers and maybe even then, but like, just get stupid with it. I do not see Oklahoma hanging in this game. I'm curious how many fans are going to be at some of these games in the next three to four days because everybody's flights are canceled. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just nonstop. Like, there's a, a lot of old fans. Think. Yeah, it's true. Well, but a lot of Knowles, a lot of Knowles fans wanted to fly into Orlando, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe hit Disney with with their kids the, the day after. And like, there's a ton of flights canceled. Yeah. I know our, our Illinois guys for 24 7 at Illini Inquirer, their flights were canceled. They were going to Tampa for the bowl game and they just drove down. So, but I don't think I don't know if, drive. yeah I know as an 18 hour drive but I don't know if everybody who's trying to go to a bowl game is going to have that same kind of dedication to getting to it we will see again that is a 5 30 p.m. kickoff from Orlando in Camping World Stadium uh, for the cheese at bowl between Florida State and Oklahoma rounding out the triple header on Thursday we go to the Alamo Dome which always tends to deliver a great one, and all the potential that we see is here as we've got Washington going up against Texas, Michael Penix going up against Quinn Ewers, 
Texas is a three-point favorite. Uh, this thing is shrunk a little bit, maybe four, four and a half or so on open. So if if you liked Washington early, the question is, do you still like Washington or do you lay it with Texas? Maybe you've liked them the whole way over under 67 and a half. We're expecting some points in the fast track that is the Alamo Dome. What do we expect from Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns here? Let Don't you think this is a... Really? So you're on the letdown side. It's, it's maybe Texas. It will. What else? What else should we expect? <laughs> what doesn't this line feel odd though? Like doesn't this seem almost too? No Roshan Johnson behind Bijan. No Bijan. Like who's running the ball for Texas? And yet they're still favored. To, uh, Washington had the better record clearly, and yet they're the dog. Like I think. I don't know. I think Washington's like defense. Washington's defense is going to allow Texas to score. Mm-hmm. Texas is favored, right. and I think that it's because even with the absences of Bijan and Roshan Johnson, I as long as Quinn Ewers is playing, then I think Texas can score. Yeah, I, I, look, Texas defensive line does not have opt-outs, right? So, yeah, but Overshone's out, though. That is true. Um, I, I think Texas defensive front is the reason why Texas is favored in this game. I I make this closer to a pick them. So mm-hmm. I, I would and did you know take some of the four and three and a half out there. Um, I just think that like Washington's passing game is very good, but I do go back to the UCLA game and UCLA tore their ass up rushing four. They didn't have to blitz them that much. They, they, they got home and they beat up Washington's offensive line. And I mean, you think about the other teams that Washington played this year, like have they played a good defensive line since? I mean, Washington State, I guess, had a decent defensive line this year, but they had a bunch of guys out too in that ballgame, if I recall. Colorado sucked. Oregon defense, not any good. Oregon State's defensive line, not good. Cal, no. Arizona, no. Arizona State, no. I mean, they kind of played one good defensive line this year, and they got tore up by it. So I'm I'm a little – I guess that's why they're favored. Well, you, you, would, you would take it Florida would, Florida I still would think Washington, yeah. about Oregon I, State's I, defensive line. I trust Penix in this passing attack, and you know, I do think that, that – I think Texas backs matter. I, I'm on Washington in the over. I just, it's for me with Texas, it's like, I just, I can't. Like, okay, great. They're favored. They've, <laughs> That's all they, it is. I just, I can't. They've no. been, how, it's, it's something we've got. It's like, how many times have they been favored and then just not, you know, it's, they're constantly overrated in the market. And I think this is another instance of Texas being Texas and everybody thinking it's better than it is and books kind of having to protect against that because, a lot of the general betting public aren't going to really think about how many players Texas doesn't have for this game. So I I like Washington to win outright. I'm taking them in the points, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring, fun game. But I do think, like Bud's right, it's, it's a coin flip because I don't know how many stops either one of these teams is going to get. It's probably just going to come down to a turnover and whoever has the last the ball last. Was Texas, uh, Robbie in the chat mentions this, was Texas favored in every single game this season except for Alabama? Probably. I know their power rating's been like really, really strong. Were they favored against Oklahoma at the time? I can't remember. Yes. They they went from a small favorite to like a massive favorite when we realized Gabriel was not going to play. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, and and they went eight and four overall, to your point about the market and delivering on expectations. What were they at Kansas State? Were they they two, two and a half? I think so. Hold on, I'm trying to open this up. The site's being very slow. Fill time! it might have been three and a half. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it was three and a half. Anyway, yeah, that, that's right. And favored against TCU. Yeah, they were sure. favored in every game except for Alabama. Yeah. 
So, um, notes their losses the were yeah, they were favored by a touchdown versus TCU. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean their losses were were one point three points, a touchdown and a touchdown. Their wins were generally bigger. Well, as our friend uh, as our friend Jonathan Coachman says on the early edge, it pays to watch live snap this thing up because if this gets to two and a half or two, then you might be losing uh, some insurance there again. As we're sitting here talking, uh, what was a four and a half, four, three and a half is now sitting at three. Seems like we got a lot of love for the Huskies. Well, you know, coming up, I don't know. Take, oh, I was, was going to say, take this how you want. I mean, again, it's a very small sample size, but like as a favorite this year, this was seven and four against the spread, but all four of the years to cover came after a win. Take that how you want. Hmm. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to Friday's five-pack, which includes on CBS, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and the All-Orange Orange Bowl. Plus, looking at the transfer transfer portal quarterbacks, Sam Hartman's in, expected to go to Notre Dame. What do we make of that? And Hudson Card to Purdue. All that and more next New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Paramount Plus now has Top Gun Maverick. For those of you watching live on YouTube, you just saw an advertisement for it. And you know what? I think that we should give out some uh, Paramount Plus 30-day free trials. So here's what you got to do. You go and you smash the like button on this video. You get those likes up, and by the end of the episode, we will hand out some 30-day free trials to Paramount Plus. And in those 30 days, you can watch Top Gun Maverick 30 times, maybe even more. Maybe you can watch it multiple times per day. If your eyeballs and your heart can even handle that much excitement, So go ahead and smash that like button. We see a whole bunch of y'all watching. We want to get the likes up and we want to hand out some Paramount Plus free trials. Also, it is that post-holiday time. We've we've some of us have really let ourselves go. And, And now might be the time that you want to turn your focus on being able to get back in some good habits, being able to get back into exercising. And look, there is an opportunity for you to do that without having to worry about the absolute madhouse that's going to be 
at the gym because Peloton is able to work on your schedule. And look, it's not just about bikes and treadmills. It's about that whole community, the team of instructors ready to motivate you 24-7. So whether you're super busy or whether you're trying to work around a lot of family obligations, it doesn't matter if you have five minutes or an hour. doesn't matter if you're trying to get it in first thing in the morning or right before you go to bed. There is a Peloton class that fits right into your day. Danny, Tom, I know things are really hectic right now. Were we able to get in some time on the Peloton uh, here in the holiday season? Oh, for sure. For sure. Actually, this morning, before I come on the show, I'm going on the app, stacking my classes, looking for classes that I'm going to do this afternoon. And I notice on there, like all the new cycling classes, the latest ones are all for beginners. Like it's beginner ride, advanced beginner ride, because they know people are coming. The new year's coming. And you know what? They should be coming. Cause it's awesome. I I've talked about it on this show so many times. I love my Peloton. I love being able to get on it. I love the difference in classes, the different varieties they have, the different times that they have, because like you said, chip holiday season, I don't really have time with all the work we've got with all these bowl games to take a 45 minute or a 60 minute class, but there's plenty of 10, 15, 20 minute classes that I could squeeze in between games and still get all my work done. I did a 20 minute nineties hip hop ride with Alex Toussaint yesterday, had a great time, got a good workout in, heard some songs I hadn't heard in a while. It's tremendous fun. And I feel great. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I feel kind of crappy because I haven't done it. That's the problem, but here's the deal. I'm going to get back on it in the new year. And here's the best part about it. If you sign up for a gym membership, it's packed. You got all these newbies come in. Mm -hmm. You can't find a machine. You go to a, it's just packed. This one, you can join a class. It might have several thousand people in it that you can compete against, but there's no line. There's no wait. You can do it anytime you want. Like Tom mentioned. So I'm getting back on my bike for the new year to get it things right and tight. Peloton works on your schedule, that team of instructors, the iconic music, all ready for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's motivation that moves you anytime, anywhere. Try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days. To learn more, go to OnePeloton.com. That is one spelled out, O-N-E, Peloton, P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com, OnePeloton.com, new members only, terms apply turning our attention to friday's games got five of them spray the board friday get started with a noon kickoff from bank of america stadium uh it is the all-american classic the duke's mayo bowl tangiest bowl game in the entire bowl season the nc state Wolfpack favored by one over under of 46 mj morris uh who well, looked very good when healthy for NC State's offense. Dave Doran, I mean, that guy and his quarterback injury status. That is, he's being all mum, but I'll tell you what. We have heard that he has looked pretty good. He has been practicing with the team. So maybe MJ Morris is in there. Maybe Wolfpack fans get a look at their quarterback for 2023. Maryland, 7-5 and five season in this bowl game. The renewal of an old ACC rivalry. Uh, what do we make of this one? What's our best bet? First of all, this game is huge because you mentioned, Chip, this is an old ACC rivalry. So these two teams have played a lot of times. In fact, they've played 70 times. <laughs> and the series is 33, 33, and 4. Rubber match. This, yeah, this is a rubber match. And who knows when the next time these two teams will play on the football field. So this one, it's not for all the mayo. It's for all the marbles. Don't you think NC State's got a better resume? They're the better team. I look at Maryland. Like, NC State's got some pretty decent wins on the year. 
They did beat Florida State. That was arguable whether, you know, they Florida State kind of gave them that game at the end, taking the shot for the end zone, but they did beat North Carolina in overtime. I feel like their defense a little bit stronger. I I don't know. I, I feel like they're the, the right side to be on here. For me, I, I think you look at Maryland, they've got like three or they've got three of their top four receivers have opted out of this game or won't be playing in the game, whether due to opt out or injury. And I think that considering what Maryland tries to do on offense and what the strength of Maryland's offense has been kind of significant. And I expect MJ Morris to play in the game. And I think that I think NC State, even though Tim Beck is lost to be left to become the coach at Coastal Carolina, I still think NC State has a better idea of who it has and what it's trying to do in this game. Whereas Maryland's going to have a lot of guys stepping into roles they haven't really had to play in yet. They're going to be asked to take on kind of a big load. And yet defensively, the Terps, I mean, Maryland is exactly what it's supposed to be in that it beats the teams it's supposed like when it's a favorite it wins when it's an underdog it loses and it's a slight underdog here this is kind of a coin flippy game but it's just maryland sticks to the script so i think if i'm taking any side i would take nc state i kind of like nc state here as well um team total under for maryland it's something i would probably look at due to all their their receivers being out uh, under is getting a little dicey now i think just overall um with with the inexperience you have at quarterback for NC State, I mean, there's some 40, and there's still some 46 and a half out there. Uh, by the way, I just got the Tua uh, is going to downgrade to the doubtful, I guess, uh, for this week. So uh, that just popped on the odd screen here. All right, look, I, I think NC State is probably the right side. There are a lot of guys who could have opted out for NC State, but didn't. And to me, like, I go back to how pissed off this summer, even when I saw him, Devin Leary was about UCLA canceling on the bowl game last year. Um, I think that they really wanted to play in a bowl game. This is in their backyard. Tom mentioned all the receivers, but I, the tight end that Bama just took from the transfer portal from Maryland, mm-hmm. he's a pretty talented kid too. So I do think that they're really limiting some, like they're limited as far as who, who they can throw the ball to. NC State doesn't need to throw the ball to win. They've already done it several times this year where they just defense it up. I think that's probably what you see here. Um, could be really ugly. So here's my thing with NC State. NC State is like the Terminator, not in a sense that they go on, you know, murderous rampage every single time they get on the field, but in the you need to melt them in molten lava to kill them. They've won 17 games, 17 regular season games in the last two seasons with injuries everywhere. They were down to their fourth string quarterback against North Carolina on the road and won that game in double overtime. Their defense was absolutely decimated all last season, and they still finished with a final AP top 25 ranking. So when it comes to injuries or when it comes to opt-outs, the word culture gets overused, but Dave Doran has been able to instill something that is very real within that team and that building where those sorts of setbacks are not going to change a level of consistency. The high-end talent, sure. I mean, you mentioned with the passing game, when we when we lose Devin Leary, things things changed. They absolutely changed. But when we start to think about their ability to lean on the defense and find ways to win, uh, man, you cannot kill NC State. They have just been really impressive the last two seasons. And I'm kind of like bookending both of them in the, their resiliency and their ability to overcome all these injuries. I 100% trust them more in this spot than I trust Maryland with all their opt-outs. How much also, did you guys upgrade uh, NC State for Tim Beck leaving? <laughs> so I, I think it's worth like half point. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> they're laughing. Well, well are you seeing that with think? Robert and I? Which, by the way, I thought was a really good hire. They're bringing yeah. in. Yeah, yeah I, I like the hire. I just another thing to consider. Yes, is both coaches have agreed to have the mayo dumped on their head if they win. Yep. So you got to figure out which coach you want to see have Mayo dumped on his head. And personally, I think like Mike Loxley would think it was fun. I think Dave Dorn will do it through gritted teeth. So I just like, he'll be smiling like, this is great. I love this very much. So I kind of <laughs> want NC State to win just to see Dave Dorn have the mayonnaise dumped on his head. Was it last right. year that Beamer got it and the like oh, yeah. thing like knocked his head really bad? <laughs> like almost gave yeah, him a concussion. Got, yeah. gave, gave him hopefully a concussion. they've ironed Tua, that out. Tua like, was moved out afterwards. <laughs> These are guys that are good to have have the mayo dumped in their head, though. Like, so Loxley doesn't have hair. Uh, does Doran? Ha- Doran's got he's got a little bit hanging on, right? That's a beach buzz there, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's an easy cleanup for both. He's got some fescue yeah. up yeah. there, you know. <laughs> not not the thick lush stuff. Like Beamer's got flow. Like, like be, Beamer's yeah, a coach yeah. you really don't want to dump it mm-hmm. on. Yeah, mayo's uh, supposed to be good for your hair too, so maybe it'll help. Him. Gives him extra sheen. <laughs> uh, on CBS, that's where you'll find uh, one of the the really special uh, bowl environments. I myself have not gotten a chance to visit El Paso, but anybody who has talks about uh, the way the community really supports and provides a lot of hospitality for all the teams involved. The fans seem to have a good time as long as you don't get in trouble crossing the border. Uh, here, we've got UCLA favored by five. Hey, Juarez can be dicey. Has that I, happened before? I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I would not <laughs> go to Juarez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, UCLA favored by five and a half over under of 53 and a half. It got a lot of competing principles here because technically this is a Chip Kelly non conference game, which comes with its own set of expectations. We also have nobody for Pitt. I mean, we've, it's, this is a, nobody. This is a decimated roster between transfers and opt outs. So, um, but what what do we make of uh what do we make of this game? What's our best bet? This is a live bet game. <laughs> so you have to watch it on CBS. Look, if you think that Dorian Thompson Robinson is actually going to play, I think you have to bet UCLA. I I think you have to bet UCLA regardless. Yeah. Uh do you trust Chase Garbers to to I guess you have to, right? I mean, UCLA has very few known opt-outs. I guess we'll see how much the running back plays, assuming he plays. I think Jake Bobo is going to play. There's a lot of important defensive players out for Pitt. Like yes. guys, that, like, as, as an ACC Boys podcast, we know them, but like there's a lot of dudes here who matter, man. Like Sam Williams is out. John Morgan's is out. Alexandre's out. Uh, Baldonado was already hurt. Nate Temple, uh, you know, one, one of the backups was already hurt. Servassier Dennis is an opt out. Um, that's like a ton of guys in their front seven. And I go back to that LSU game against Chip Kelly two years ago. Yeah, the, the, the game Orgeron lost out there. Sissy Blue. You mentioned Kalaja, Kalaja Kansi, right? The defensive player of the year in the ACC. I didn't even mention Kalaja Kansi, but yes. Yeah. Like he, he, he's, he's an opt out too. Out. Yeah. Um, I think two, both starting off with the tackles, or at least one, is also out. Avaconda is not playing. Slovis is already in the portal. Nick Patty has delivered some iconic performances as having to step up during it, his 12 yeah. years. Is career. Nick Patty playing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think he's the starting quarterback. I mean, this is uh uh the chat is saying that that, that Baldonado is gonna play. So I guess he's back from injury now. 
Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator for an Oregon team that went to the Sun Sun Bowl in 2007 and had a fifth string quarterback and ran the ball a million times. Mm-hmm. And I've now, well, he doesn't have Jonathan Stewart like he did with that 2007 Oregon team. I I think that that is where this game is won for UCLA. Even if Dorian Thompson Robinson doesn't play, I just think they can just run the daggone ball all over the place. But oh, like you know, what I just realized mm-hmm. what. All four of their captains have opted out. Pitt? Pitt. Yeah. I, they, they, all, they all have the captain status. Leadership. Uh, but here's the thing. like Pitt's got all those opt-outs on defense. UCLA's defense still sucks. Even if it's got every vote of its starters. And that's what worries me. So I might I might just take the over? 53 and a half? Yeah. The effort level going to be lacking. That's yeah. what I think. I mean, because this thing opened at like 60 and it's come down a full touchdown. Like, <laughs> considering everybody that Pitt has lost on defense, I understand that, like, the public, I think, is paying attention to who's not there on offense. I don't think they're paying nearly as much attention as all those names Bud listed about the Pitt defense. That's kind of my thought, too. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've already traded this. When I thought DTR wasn't going to play, I, I took some Pitt six. And then I, I I have a decent bit of UCLA three and a half when it looked like he probably was going to play, you know, because like there was a time there where everybody thought, okay, like, 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 so Pitt was getting hit hard here. I think he's going to play. That's my best guess. So I, I, I think UCLA is, is the side. Um, 3.30 p. Again, that is 2 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. You can watch it for free on cbssports.com or through the CBS Sports app. No login required. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time is when you'll get the Gator Bowl between South Carolina and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by two, over under of 52. Talk me out of hammering Notre Dame here. Okay. Um, is Spencer Rattler playing? And what does that impact your decision? So I'm asking you if you even know who Notre Dame's quarterback is. No. Okay. Do you know who Notre Dame's running back is? For this game? Yeah. Um, isn't it estimate? Okay, I'm just I'm checking because you asked me to give you reasons why you should not take Notre Dame. So yeah. it's like And okay. isn't Buckner available but probably not gonna play? I don't know. It's they don't I, I just don't know what we're gonna is is Mayer playing? No. Mayor is an opt out. So you don't have your quarterback and you don't have the one guy that your quarterback can throw to. There are a lot of reasons. I think South Carolina is kind of the, I like South Carolina. They come in with some good mojo. Although did you see, did you see Beamer said they can't run 12 personnel with two tight ends because they only have one One. because three, I mean, it's this is Bell and Stogner are both gone. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So he's, he's literally said they cannot run 12 personnel because they don't have two tight ends. They also have some other like they South Carolina has a lot of sneaky opt outs, kind of pit style here. I I took some South Carolina early and then I took some Notre Dame recent, and I'm just trying to middle this thing now. I really don't want either side. I, they so all right. Freeman announced Tyler Buckner as the starting quarterback. Okay. So just now. Oh look, so like, do you care? Do you think Buckner's any good? I Yeah, I do think Buckner's good. You are right. I think Buckner's I'm, better I'm than sold. Pine, but so, I don't know. My one of my like first thoughts is Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame so often gets invited into bowl matchups where it's just not the better team 
or, you know, that it's just like because it is the big brand and because it's got all these, you know, on ramps, it's like a game of shoots and ladders. And all Notre Dame has is ladders to go right up in the bowl rankings into higher profile games. And I think that contributes to why Notre Dame doesn't have a great bowl record. But I think South Carolina is like the a, a one-time situation where it's like, hey, you know what? Like, this is a comparable team. This is a game that we can go and win. And so that's why my my starting point was maybe this is finally uh, a a more opportune draw for Notre Dame than it normally catches in the postseason. Is Buckner using this game as an audition? For another program? Yeah. Probably. I mean, they... Okay, so South Carolina does not have defensively, like there's a lot of guys that are out for them who, who who seem to matter, okay? So Pickens, Gilbert Edmond, who's now in the transfer portal, Dawkins, Kaba, the linebacker, um, Darius Rush, their other corner opposite of Smith, who I think everybody knows. Like South Carolina fans just on social media are pissed at how, how much talent is not playing in this ballgame. And they're like, hey, like we had this great season why do like are we actually going to be any better next year? Are we actually building to something, or is this kind of like the high watermark? And I don't think it is because South Carolina is recruiting its own state really well and kind of encroaching on Dabo's territory a little bit there in recruiting. But that's the reason I got off this and took some took some Notre Dame to, to counteract it because like I just what are if Notre Dame just pushes sides? these guys around? Are you sitting yeah. on both sides of like pretty much every bowl game? <laughs> no, no, I like like I I have no Syracuse, I have no North Carolina. Um, I have no UCF. I have no Oklahoma. I don't have any Texas. Um, I do have some Pitt and UCLA. I have I have South Carolina, Notre Dame. Uh, I do have some Wyoming and and more Ohio. Uh, but like middleman. What what if Notre Dame just pushes all these guys around a ton? You know what I'm saying? Like like that's what I saw. Right. Notre Dame team total over. Boom. There we go. I think so. Yeah, Ooh, that's the best bet. I mean, what 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 is that? So. 52 uh, that's 25 and a half plus what like it'll be like what 27 27 yeah, and a half you need 28 okay i could see it i like i like notre dame i'll take the irish i just i i think part of it motivation wise i don't i don't know how hyped notre dame's going to be for this game i think south carolina the players that are still there are probably going to be pretty pumped for a chance to beat notre dame all right uh, the Arizona Bowl, but I just mentioned it, Ohio and Wyoming. Ohio, a one-and-a-half-point favorite over under of 42. Is the wagon rolling? Oh, hell yeah. Wyoming stinks. Wow. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But um, Well, actually, you know what? I, I, I mentioned this. With Chip, I was talking with Chip about this yesterday. Like, If you look at the Mountain West this year, like it's three good teams, Boise, Fresno, and Air Force, all won their bowl games. The rest of the conference has struggled in bowl games. And we talked about how the Mountain West wasn't very good all season long. And I think that once you get past that top three, we're seeing more evidence of that in these games. I think Ohio, like, I mean, I know it's it's a wagon. It, it covered eight straight. It was much better than the ratings showed. The ratings have caught on, but I still think that they're not getting quite enough respect in this matchup against the Wyoming team that offensively is just really, really bad. And I don't, I mean, I think the running back whose name I f- forgot has opted out. I think they've got, you know, we saw last year at the end of the year, Wyoming lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. I think we're kind of seeing a little more of that again this year. I just don't know what kind of condition the Cowboys are going to be in offensively for this game. I think Ohio is going to be fired up, ready to win it. I like the Bobcats. I do too. I, I So all four of Wyoming's running backs are out. There we go. Yeah. Their, their top receiver, Cobbs, 
is out. All right. They're, I think their best defensive end, whose name I can't pronounce, is out. Mm-hmm. And their best corner's out. There's There's been attrition in this program at the end of each of the last two seasons, like major attrition. <laughs> so we roll with the wagon. Uh, all Orange, Orange Bowl, Tennessee, and Clemson. They're in Hard Rock Stadium. Clemson, this is down to four and a half. A lot of Joe Milton God. love out there uh, for the Vols. I think this opened at six, six and a half. Might have even been seven, uh, but it's moving in the other direction and moving that way fast. Uh, Kate Klubnik is talking all about how he's so excited that so many, uh, so many pieces from this offense are going to be back next year. You know, this is this this is a real moment for them, right? I mean, just losing Davis Allen, which is significant. He'll play in the bowl game, I think. Jordan McFadden uh, is going to be off to the NFL. Davis Allen off to the NFL. Rest of the offense is expected to be back. Uh, Kobe Pace already in the transfer portal, though. But for this game, an opportunity to start on the 2023 vision. For Tennessee, Joe Milton's got a, got a chance to do something here. We've got some opt-outs on both sides. So what is the best bet for Clemson minus four and a half? My goodness, I like Clemson in this game. Sorry, Jordan. I really do. I think you see a team that has a pretty strong culture, pretty much good buy-in, and I think it's all about the future for Cade Klubnik and a quarterback who's going to be out there wanting to inspire his teammates. And for the first time since we saw the ACC championship game, an offense that feels like they can move the ball against the Tennessee defense, which has been a sieve all season long, give me the Tigers. This is one of my favorite bowl games, by the way. I want them both to wear orange. I know. I mean, it is like there is different oranges. There's is going to be a a lot of orange, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I I kind of like under here. Yep. So me too. All all of yeah, like all all of Clemson's defensive linemen that who matter seem to be playing, right? Um, Clemson their secondary this year has been a weakness. I would expect them to play a lot of sag coverage and not blitz a whole lot force Joe Milton to be accurate repeatedly as opposed to just hitting one of the bombs. Now, granted, like he might throw the ball into the stands. And I, I'm not entirely sold that Klubnik uh, settles the offensive issues for Clemson. He was not good against Syracuse, right? He was poor against Notre Dame. When they put him in in, uh, in other games, he wasn't – and he really wasn't good. Now he goes and faces the North Carolina defense, which is hot garbage. And all is solved. I I need to see a bigger sample set on him, and I don't really believe in Clemson's offense. So I I like under here, not like race to the window to bet it. But I, I, if I have to pick something, I'm, I'm going to take the under. Same. It's, uh, yeah, I I don't trust Clemson's offense for anything. I don't think DJU was the only problem, and I don't think Cade Klubnik is going to be the salvation for it. I still think there's a lot of problems with what they do, and Tennessee, like the offense that they run. It's more important to have an accurate QB than it is to have a guy who could throw the ball 70 yards. And I just don't know how effective the Vols are going to be with Joe Milton back there. So I don't think either of these offenses are going to have an incredible game. I think the total's too high. I tell you what, Debo would love to win that way. Just win by one point. That's all that matters. Just win by one point. God um, doesn't care what score is as long as it's win. <laughs> God's name, image, and likeness. <laughs> Um, I saw our buddy uh, Kevin Clark came out here and said Davo is sharpening up a take that he's going to drop on us in the spring. He's like talking about collectives. 
What about these collection plates? That's the original collection. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin. He's a huge fan of the show. Just got me tickled for days thinking He's about great. that line. That's great. I, how long did Bob, Dabo had that one in the holster for a while? Oh, God. Oh, he was, yeah. Dabo was workshopping right. that in the bathroom mirror. So who, who did he test that on? Like, like did, did, does he drop that on his wife? Is he testing that on the on the folks in the office? Like, like who? What what does the screening panel look like for that? Or do you think he just he just said it to himself a couple of times, said oh, it to the man upstairs, like I'm rolling with this. Assistant coaches. Every oh, you know, like in when they're in the room, because it, it was the signing day press conference. So he definitely tested it on uh, on all the assistants to to see how it was gonna land. And he like he he like rested his face before he delivered mm-hmm. the punchline to <laughs> knew he had it. <laughs> Killer stuff. Love it, Davo. Um, all right, so. That's all of Thursday and Friday. Saturday, the games that will include the college football playoff, we'll be getting into that Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. With a little bit of time that we have left here, I want to make sure that we hit on some of the the big high-profile moves. Uh, First, uh, something that is done, it was uh, was Ryan Walters taking a little, like, car selfie video. Said, said, Christmas ain't done. Oh, no, I just got some great news. And then we find out Hudson Card is on his way to Purdue. Now, Hudson Card, you know, you talked to me in December, maybe heading into championship weekend. And if you were to ask for just like a little bar bet, where's Hudson Card going to end up? I would have said Notre Dame. No, it is elsewhere in Indiana. It is in West Lafayette with the Purdue Boilermakers. So uh, this seems to be a, a great haul from the transfer portal for Ryan Walters. Uh, let's let's sort of flash back our our, our notes on Hudson Card. What what does this mean uh, for Purdue? Do you think that this was a as big of a recruiting win as it may seem on its surface? I think it's a huge win for Purdue because you've got to replace Adrian O'Connell, who and I think honest, I think no offense to O'Connell, I think Hudson Card's a more talented quarterback than O'Connell was. So I think to have him coming into this offense. Because we've seen, like, this is a lot of these transfers that you see in the portal. Like, there are the big-name guys who already have their destinations in mind before they even enter the portal because they're going to another big-name program. And then there are the guys who are kind of backups who didn't really get a shot where they are. But Hudson Card is one of those backups that we've seen plenty of. And when he was filling in for Quinn Ewers, he was playing very well in that offense. So I think that if you're Purdue, to get a kid that was that, that talented with as much experience as he has to come into that offense, which you've got with Graham Harrell now, because you're going to be running an air raid kind of system. I think it's a huge win for Purdue, and it's a huge win for Ryan Walters because, like, a lot of the pushback from Purdue fans with the Walters hire was, you know, like Purdue, we've talked about it on this show. Their history of success has been being an offensive first kind of innovator in the Big Ten compared to the rest of the conference. So they bring in a defensive coordinator, and there's been a lot of concern about, oh, no, are we going to play big, dumb, rock fight football with our defensive coordinator head coach? Well, he brings in an air raid OC, and he brings in a highly rated quarterback, and he's got Drew Brees, who, you know, kind of a good sell, and is also from the same area Hudson Card's from, helping sell him and bringing him to the program. So it's like, it's clear. They've got a defensive-minded head coach, but Purdue is still going to be Purdue, and it's got the quarterback it needs to keep being Purdue. I think I agree. I mean, honestly, like, Card has some talent. Did you watch Purdue's backup against FAU? Because I did, and Mm -hmm. that was really, really sketch. So they need a quarterback to come in and play. Purdue's going to lose a lot of important guys off this roster. Purdue, uh, Purdue has to play both Ohio State and Michigan next year. I'm actually working on my uh, on my sheet here. I, I wrote down who in the West gets to dodge Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State next year. Purdue 
uh, Purdue gets to dodge Penn State, but they do have to play Ohio State and Michigan. Unlike Tom, who is celebrating because Illinois does not play the Buckeyes or the Wolverines, you know that's uh, that's a t- that's a tough look there uh, for them. So they're going to need him to come in and play well. And given this transfer portal market, I, I think it's a pretty good get. Uh, speaking of that, when he hit that transfer portal market uh, here in just a second, but we asked and you delivered. Make sure you are following Cover 3 Podcast on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast. Drop your handle in the chat. We will select five, ten, ten. Yeah, give me a nod, Jordan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. Ten 30-day free trials to Paramount Plus. So go ahead and drop your handles in the chat right now. Make sure you are following the Cover 3 podcast so that we can get in touch with you. Again, we asked, you delivered the likes on the video. We appreciate you hanging out, watching live. Uh, So you watch live, you get a chance to win. Uh, Santa's got some leftover treats. So, Bud, you just mentioned the uh, current market of quarterbacks in the transfer portal Grayson McCall still doesn't have a play anywhere to go. Sam Hartman's now in the portal. Reports are he's headed towards Notre Dame. Uh, you know, Luke Altmyer is up there. The as, as we're looking at, at what's remaining, I mean, how many? It doesn't seem like there are many that are even certified going to be starters at some of the programs where they land. Uh, what do you make of the next dominoes to fall, or or what the outlook is um, for the quarterbacks in the transfer portal? I mean, so we, we Hartman is still out there. Obviously, and I think you guys talked yesterday about this or, or Monday, did we? I, I don't know. It wasn't on Monday's show. Um, about Hartman potentially going to Notre Dame, which Dropped some looks hits. looks like the 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 prohibitive favorite, I would say, to land him. Um, although I'm not really sure that Wake's going to miss him. I, I I think Wake wanted to move on to the backup, who looked it's really good against, against VMI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So sometimes it just it, it it's run its course. But this quarterback market this year in the portal is poor. And I think a lot of it is because the supply was cut off by collectives who got the money together to keep their kids in town. So Drake May did not hit the portal. Like that move would have changed college football for the 2023 season, undoubtedly. But down the line, I mean, Frank Harris decided to stay at UTSA and announced an NIL deal. Michael Pratt, who everybody else in, in the you know, personnel world was looking at UF and saying, okay, like Pratt to Florida, Pratt to Florida, right? Assuming like no tampering, but like assuming that he hits the portal. That's an obvious destination. He's from Florida. They need a quarterback. He's got a lot of former teammates uh, in and around that program. It would have just made sense. But Tulane kept him. Austin Reed mm-hmm. going back to Western Kentucky. I mean, you're. I think you have some guys in the portal who you just mentioned who don't have homes. And if you see them not enroll for, for in, anywhere for spring, I think it's a pretty good hint. Pay attention here that they either don't have the credits or the grades to get in where they want to go. Maybe they need to stay around and actually graduate first. If you've been in school for five years and still don't have a degree, that's a problem for a lot of admissions departments. If you don't actually go to class, uh, that is also a bit of a problem. So I think some of the kids in the portal actually can't go where they want to go because of academics. And some of these dudes in the portal just aren't that good. Like there ain't no Caleb Williams out there this year. This is not a good crop of portal quarterbacks uh, compared to prior years. Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports indicates that Brennan Armstrong, who was extremely prolific in 2021, but really saw his his numbers dip in 2022, that he is a target for Oklahoma State. Uh, that is something interesting to keep an eye that on. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then we look at Sam Hartman to Notre Dame. Here's, here's my question about Sam Hartman to Notre Dame. 
can Sam Hartman also recruit wide receivers? There are better wide receivers at Wake Forest right now on the active yes. roster than there are at Notre Dame. There's nothing resembling an A.T. Perry on Notre Dame's roster. No. I I, I think that that is probably um, still something that can that even, because we talk about the market and what's even available, Sam Hartman to Notre Dame is great when you consider some of the alternatives that they might have been looking at. I do think that Sam Hartman, as the quarterback, is going to really hope that they're going to be able to get some development of pass catchers because the roster as it stands and the the available wide receivers. Uh, is Dante Cephas the best available wide receiver right now? Crystal Ball right now has him going to Penn State, and he's from Pennsylvania. And if Penn State got in there, then that would be a huge addition to a 2023 team that already has you know pretty high expectations. But like, are there even options for Notre Dame to find an upgrade at wide receiver or is Sam Hartman going to be tasked with really trying to lead this charge himself should he eventually commit to Notre Dame as expected? I think that having Sam Hartman makes you an attractive sell to any receiver considering entering the portal. And I also think that the portal is open for another few weeks. So there, after these bowl games wrap up, I'm guessing we're going to see some players entering the portal that might not be in there already. I mean, you also have to, like, are some of these guys going to be eligible at Notre Dame? I mean, like, that's mm -hmm. not an easy place to transfer into. You actually have to have grades, and I, th I think that probably limits. But a lot of these dudes at receiver have already been spoken for. I mean, Lovett's going to Georgia. Rara Thomas is going, I think it's official now, right? He's going to Georgia. Yep. Singer, the, the leading receiver in the Pac-12, is going to, from Arizona to USC. Like, that that has to hurt for Arizona, by the way. Like, to lose, mm -hmm. lose him in conference. Um. Yeah, I I think Cephas is probably your top kid. Chris Marshall may be the most talented kid who was in the portal. He's going from A and M to Ole Miss. Devontae Walker went to UNC. That's a nice kid for the Tar Heels, by the way. I mean, you're you're selling. You want to come catch passes from Drake May? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. It's a it's a, it's a pretty easy sell right there. Um, so going to be very interesting to uh to to watch what happens as the as the dominoes continue to fall. Again, we've got Hudson Card off the board, headed to Purdue. Sam Hartman right up there with Grayson McCall. And look, I I cannot speak specifically because I'm I'm not talking to Grayson McCall. I'm not talking to any of the schools where he has, you know, kind of been in contact with. But Grayson McCall could end up back at Coastal Carolina. Just because your name's in the transfer portal does not mean that you're gone. And my, that would be uh, quite a win for Tim Beck when he goes down with that injury too. I thought about that in the back of my head. You know what you're going to do is you're going to try to show him that you've got your full support for Grayson McCall. Mm -hmm. If you're anybody in that Coastal Carolina staff, you you were trying to say, "Hey, man, if you don't want to go back into this game. That's cool. You know, you even played in this game, diving into the end zone, end zone head first. He wasn't coming up halfway, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll let you throw on the t-shirt and just sort of hang out for the rest of the way. You don't want to you don't want to create any bad vibes just in case he is back with the shots in 2023. Well, we will be back Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time to go ahead and keep this rolling with our college football playoff preview, the angles to watch, the matchup keys, and of course, our best bets and the bonanza for the rest of New Year's Eve and January 2nd, closing this thing out in our traditional locks time slot. Then, boys, you want to you wanna ring in the new year together? 
Not really, but sure. Saturday night, instant reaction show back. Here's the deal. I know there's a lot of smart TVs out there. I know there's a lot of New Year's Eve parties. We had some true cover three soldiers who were spreading the good news on New Year's Eve last year, take over TVs and put our instant reaction show on the TV. I'll wear my tux. We'll bring great takes from the college football playoff semifinals. So again, New Year's Eve uh, after the conclusion of Georgia and Ohio State in the Peach Bowl will be live, youtube.com slash cover three. So again, 11 a.m. Eastern time Thursday, we'll be doing our college football playoff preview and our picks for the rest of the bowl slate. Saturday night, playing on around 11.30 uh, p.m. Eastern time, but really right at the conclusion of Georgia and Ohio State, we'll be going live with our college football playoff instant reaction show. So much to get into that all of it decided here in the next five days or so and you can follow him on twitter at tom Fernelli. you can follow him at bud elliott three follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much thank you see y'all CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.